This is the real bad dudes cast. This is part four, the conclusion of the Vengeance Review, with guest Mick Strawn. Enjoy. What the hell do you people want? I'm getting an echo on your end. We want to know how you're doing, Mick. We missed you. You do? Uh, are you getting an echo? Yeah. Usually I find that yeah. if I turn my end down, um, which I don't want to do, but here, uh, I'll make it go away. Just went away, didn't it? Oh, oh. fine. You got very clean. So, Mick, uh, we have a new, uh, new co-host with us, uh, new Owen, or just call you Owen, I guess. Uh, yeah, Mick yeah. Strong. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, we don't. We don't have. All yours. We don't have Lotsy because uh, he had to deal with flooding in Houston and stuff. So you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there you go. That, that, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so go what's the new guy's name? Guy's name? Uh, Owen. Owen. Yeah, Owen works. Owen. Okay. Can I tease you about anything? Excuse me. Can I tease you about anything? Do you have My like name. a raging overbite? <laughs> nah, I just had a broken nose fixed though. Really? Yeah, you that. think they fixed it? <laughs> oh. Yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that <was> well delivered. <laughs> so, Mick, I heard you may have worked on this this fan film thing that's blowing up on the internet. I think it's called um, Vengeance. Vengeance Friday yeah. the Thirteenth. By the way, I <laughs> I called Jeremy today, uh, and I didn't get him, and then I got Jason Brooks, and I and I told Jason about uh, your imitation of um, Jeremy, which is so spot on. Uh, it's, anybody heard Chris do, uh, do uh, Jeremy? It, it, it is, it is if you know Jeremy. Action. <laughs> See, somehow Jeremy, Jeremy is the only person that I know that actually has a whiny nasal voice. A whiny nasal voice. It's a baritone. Right? <laughs> it's a bass voice, and it's still a little whiny. So, do you want to know if we liked Vengeance or not? Yes. Let's hear it. So, all right. So, we did a part one review for Vengeance, uh, where it was just the three of us. The total. The total runtime of this is three hours long. We talked for three hours about Vengeance, and all of it turned out absolutely amazing. Wow. Right? Um, that's terrifying. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even do things that I like for three hours. It, it all progressed just naturally. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so... So, what was your uh, consensus? Eh. No kidding, it was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll let uh, Owen go first. Well, my interpretation was that it stood out above the middling to worst of the entire official canon. That the acting, directing, and general construction of the film held up above the standard that was established by the end of the series, which may sound cynical. But I think that's saying a lot for a fan-made film. I here's my feeling, in, in all honesty, um, <laughs> I think I think there's a great film in there. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it needs three more weeks of editing, and and it will be there. Bingo. Uh, yeah. And and here's the thing. I know it's there. You know, it seen what they've done with the time that they had. 
I know great films there. Uh, I, and I think that it's just short of uh, uh, of a great film. The, the weird thing about it is, it is exactly like I said. Uh, it's like uh, a group of people that didn't know what they were doing, or just barely knew what they were doing, and yet every time the camera rolled, it was there. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? <laughs> uh, Owen, uh, I loved your uh, what you said in the. Uh, when we talked about this last time, we needed the whole analogy of a family restaurant and having a little bit of gristle in there. Yeah. It's the difference between getting a, an error from something like McDonald's where you're going to bring it back to the counter and you go to like a family run burger joint and the burger's got a little gristle in it. You're just going to kind of pick it out of your mouth and put it to the side. It's still a damn good burger. Like I, I believe that the issues that were there were just evidence that people were making. And it's not that they should be kept. I agree with you that three more weeks of editing could really make it shine. But I brought up the Japanese concept of wabi-sabi when discussing it because the imperfections just kind of reminded the viewer that it was people making it and not a studio pooping out a labeled franchise. Okay. That's a, that, that, that's a cop-out, but I like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, a lot harder to please than Jersey. Before we go on, I I heard that you're 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 a bit you're literate and 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 you wrote a book. Yes, I did. I did write a book. Yes, (laughs) and no, I'm not literate. Oh, (laughs) you mean (laughs) I did write a book behind the screams, the the Dream Master Secrets Revealed. Have you read my book? No. <laughs> yes, of course can, I did. Can 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 you read? Uh, yes. Nah. I mean, I have a hard time, but you know. Wait a minute. What was the name of the book? I learned how to read from you, from you know your book. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, from my book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, behind the screams, uh, the dream masters revealed. Right, right, right. Revealed. Yeah, it's all about nightmare. I think I said secrets revealed, but I think that's also close right, enough. Right? Like yeah. I care. Yeah, like I'm done writing it. Buy, buy Mixtron book now. <laughs> buy it now. <laughs> buy my book now. You'll love it. Uh, yeah, go to, to my two purchase you, list. All you have to do is Whoa. go to behind, behind the, the screams, screams book. Yeah. Book.com. I also heard you might even have a podcast or two. I have a couple, man. I have Dream Warrior Review. You're like a podcast whore. I am. Which Kurt, Kurt, who you've met, uh, Kurt is my co podcaster. I haven't met him yet, but I really? heard him on uh, Revealed, yeah. Oh, I Wait a minute, think... what, what was the name of that book again? Uh, it was called uh, Behind the Screams. Wait a minute, what, what the fuck am I doing with Baby's First Pop-Up Book? <laughs> oh, that's Mick's other book. <laughs> no, seriously, Behind the Screams, it, it was a fantastic book. I actually read it flying back from Washington. We were on set from Vengeance. and I bought it you know, twice. books. You bought it twice? The PDF version and the actual, uh, you know, physical ber- version. That right there is a, is a true. Because I needed to have his signature on it and have him write something harassing to me in it, which was great. <laughs> Did I harass you properly? Yes, yes. I, I've harassed a lot of people. If life is not complete I unless you're not. harassed by Mixtron. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really, that should be like the Chuck Norris um <laughs> Like the Chuck Norris thing, you haven't done this unless it's happened by Mick Mick Strong. So, so, so somebody kept saying, uh, kept saying at Rosecon, they said, "Well, you, you you haven't you haven't been on a film until uh, 
until McStrawn has screamed at you. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jeremy <laughs> like, said to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, that's one of the first things that Jeremy said to me was, is um, after we, after one of the times when I when I accidentally fell into the shot and we were dicking around with the fog machines, you know, I went up to Jeremy and I'm like, dude, I'm really sorry about that. I had no idea that I fell. <laughs> and so I take that question, so good. You haven't made it in film until you've been yelled at by Mick Strong. <laughs> oh, wait, Mick. Uh, wait, Mick. What are those podcasts you're on? We should probably pimp that out. The podcast? Yeah. Uh, let's see. So there's behind the screen. The other one is called... Uh, Dream Warrior Review. Dream Warrior Review. And the other one is called Rabbit Hole. Okay. And I haven't yet figured out what Rabbit yeah, Hole is all about. <laughs> because <laughs> Rabbit Hole is just an opportunity for, for me to tell a story. And I never know what I'm going to do until uh, until uh, TJ Bowser uh, decides uh, what he's going to, what stupid thing he's going to ask me. And once he does, oh it's God, boom, and we're off. So, so you took the uh, story time with Mick uh, that you do on Dream Warrior Review, and you just expanded it into a bigger podcast. Yeah. Rabbit hole. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Story time with Mick is a, uh, you know. It, it, it's it's a it's now its own separate thing. It's called. Rabbit and in all honesty, every time I see the logo for it, I, I, that is so perfect, and that completely describes mixed drawn to a T. <laughs> you, you like it? <laughs> I, I I look at I, I, I look at it and I, it, and I just love the artwork on it, right? Oh yeah. And 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 I love the fact that uh, that it it's reminiscent of of. Alice in Wonderland, because I've often thought that um, that was what happened to me. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, you know, we're, we're, let's, because let's face it, you know, if you get up in the morning and you say, every time something weird happens, I'm going to embrace it and chase it. I got something and better. This is, and this is what happens. <laughs> you, you, can, you can't escape uh, your Elm Street connections because Alice in Wonderland is a huge... Well, not a huge thing, but a theme of Nightmare on Elm Street for the uh, the Dream Master. Oh, absolutely, yes. absolutely. The yeah, dream, yeah, the Dream Master, dream. where one man had the idea. We'll have a dog piss fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to well, tell, you, tell you though, is if you read my book and you take uh, Rachel Talley's word for it, I really did have everything to do with that film. <laughs> I mean, every frame of that film has got me all over it. And that's why <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse. But you uh, but this was the eighties, right? So you, you were sober, right? <laughs> the eighties? <80s>? Nobody <laughs> was sober. It was the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. How much cocaine was involved with L Tree Four? Well, there wasn't any left when we were done, let's put it that way. That that makes sense now. <laughs> well, it was the last good Elm Street movie, by the way. Uh, I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, it's uh, fucking. You, you know, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, uh, in in about nineteen, I think it was like nineteen eighty nine. This uh, there was this big move to, uh, you know, get rid of cocaine in Hollywood and, and stop making stop. it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, 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 uh, about at, about at about that time, they had a show come out called Cop Rock. 
<laughs> and a friend of mine, upon seeing Cop Rock, <laughs> called me up and he says, "You got to see this show, Cop Rock. It's all about." <laughs> Oh, uh, Hollywood and uh, without any cocaine. <laughs> it was terrible. That was proof that that's that was proof that we had stopped doing coke. <laughs> and then we didn't know what we were doing anymore. See, see yeah, kids, you could just watch Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five, the dream show. See, kids, if you really want to make it in Hollywood, start doing cocaine. <laughs> Let's look at the numbers here. You had let's just stick to Nightmare for a second. Nightmare one, definitely a lot of cocaine. Nightmare part two, definitely a lot of something. Nightmare (laughs) three, mountains. Nightmare four, the director was from the land of snow. And Nightmare five, I wanted to punt that fucking kid across the room. Come on, let's go have some fun now. Get out of here. Go back to the pet cemetery. Uh, and then they had uh, Nightmare Six, and uh, that was Freddy's dead. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame that um, that he didn't stay dead. Hey, it has his moments. Yeah. Everything after those were just um, wow. Well, New Nightmare That's... was pretty great. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Well, Wes Craven did Part One. See cocaine. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's always that when someone's been doing cocaine for long enough that eventually it does become a facet of your personality and art style. And without cocaine, we wouldn't have had Stephen King's excellent Maximum Overdrive. Well, there you <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> because whoever, whoever had the idea of putting that face over the truck. Oh, the, the, the Green Goblin. Head. Yeah. Yeah, and then putting it, and then putting it in a horror film, <laughs> like was like. Woo! But the yeah, ACDC want us to feed them. Yeah, it's like how bad can you get? Well, I mean, when you really take a critical look at the movie, it was like uh, when we were w- w- like when we were talking with Johnny Antlis about the Night of the Living Dead movies, where it was like, well, do they go to the basement or do they stay on the first floor of the house? And I'm the one thinking, why don't they just break the stairs and go on the second floor of the house? It, it, it it's the same thing with Maximum Overdrive. Why don't they just let the fucking things run out of gas? Yeah, <laughs> my theory. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, okay. now hold on. Now, how many times have you seen a horror film and thought, well, well if you a, a drama, drama with accessibility to phones, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what do you think Bob's problem is? Hey, I'll call him and find <laughs> out. Who do you think is upstairs? <laughs> I just call yeah. it horror movie logic. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. that's... It, it totally has its own logic. But my, my theory. I totally heard a bunch of screaming across the street, and instead of calling the police, I'm going to get my civilian ass unarmed over there, knock on the door, walk in, notice that it's all dark, and then go all the way upstairs into the back corner of the house. You, you yeah. know what it is, right? It is, right? You know that's that's the equivalent of sitting down and and writing a, a strongly worded email to get mm-hmm. something done. <laughs> So my theory, my theory, my quick theory on Maximum Overdrive is that it's about a bunch of stoner aliens who just get bored one day and decide to screw with humanity a bit by causing the trucks to go crazy. Oh, that was car. That was critters too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, vengeance. Uh, I well, so vengeance. I, I just wanted to say critters. I hadn't seen that in a while, and I love that movie. One of the best moments in horror was when. 
they're armed, you know, and then the door opens and the shotgun comes out and blows the one away and the, and the yeah. other alien's like, fuck, and then rolls into a bowl. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. It was fun. I told I, I told somebody the story yesterday about Critters 2 about the, the big ball. I, I have a great behind-the-scenes story about that Jeez, big ball. you act like you may have worked on that film. Hmm. Yeah, son of a bitch, huh, right? <laughs> so so we're, we're building the town, right? We're... <laughs> We're, we're building the town, and um, wait, wait, I have to go yell at my dog. Shut the fuck up, you made you mutt. Oh, oh see, okay. see, my my impersonation was pretty close to what you actually did. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about Critters 2. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Shut up, you son of a man. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm not going to so, lie, honestly, I had the image in my head of that scene from Terminator 2 when the stepfather, hey, shut up, you worthless piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my dog is not much of a Terminator, though. <laughs> so, so we're, uh, we're building the town, and um, uh, the Kyoto brothers show up, and... Uh, they were they were utter chaos. They, <laughs> they were tripping all over each other, and they came up and they, and they were going to do a demonstration because the place that we were above LA, up up on this hilltop, and what the the they wanted to test the, their big critter ball, which at the time was made out of aluminum struts, um, and mm-hmm. and chicken wire. And they had wired all the uh, the critters to it, right? And it looked really uh, <laughs> fragile. <laughs> Still for it. So Just immediately, something like that. And then you said, "Well, what, well, what are you going to do?" And, and said, "Well, we're going to go and we're going to roll it down the hill to see how it rolls." And <laughs> we're all like, "Okay, we haven't had a laugh all day." <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go check this out. And so all the carpenters and 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 me and and a whole bunch, we we go over to the side of the hill and and we uh we watch them prepping and gluing on the last you know uh, uh critter, you know, into the the wiring them onto the uh, and 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 probably making very inappropriate and horrible bets on the side, <laughs> like how far is it going to get and all the rest of that. And so, and, and the killers were pretty small people, you know, and and, um, and that made it ten times as funny because, because the ball they all they all only came up to about half of the ball, <laughs> so so yeah. it was kind of it was kind of like watching a scene from Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow! And I've seen pictures of that ball too, like behind the scenes, and that was just something. Not, not this. This they, you've seen pictures of the other one. This one was funny because this one never at one time maintained exactly the same shape. Like, oh no! <laughs> this was a this was like the uh, the kindergarten version of the one that they finally used because I, I think eventually they just took a weather balloon and glued a bunch of uh, critters to it, right? Which is probably the way to do it in the end. <laughs> this one was they were making making it out of these yeah. aluminum struts and. Um, and so they get up at the top of the hill and 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 they start to roll the critter ball down and almost immediately 
it starts to roll faster than they it just it left them behind within about 10 feet <laughs> and they're just kind of watching it and we got to see this aluminum thing rolling down the hill uh taking these really horrible hops you know and lifting a couple of feet off the ground and every time it would land critters would <laughs> Jump for the ride. <laughs> They'd be shedding critters, and then and then the, the the aluminum struts began to break down, and it began Shit. to get smaller. <laughs> it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and the critters are like jumping left and right, and and by the time it gets to the end of the hill, to the bottom of the hill, it's like five critters holding on to a ball that was about the size of a beach ball that are holding on to this, you know, to uh, the wire, the chicken wire. <laughs> it oh looked like God. somebody had tried to roll a, kid, a, a chicken hutch down the wall, down the, <laughs> down the hill. And and the, the guys came from the Keto brothers come running up to it and 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 now it only comes up to like their waists. <laughs> Dope. It was like, uh, okay, we were okay. just cracking up. We were just dying. Um, I, I, I know, can just picture um, the just a trail of critters. Oh god, down. that's what it was. It was just like all the way. I am, I'm a hundred percent sure that you could go to that hillside now, <laughs> even and find now. A critter. <laughs> so if, if you had like a uh, a, a, a critter detector, not a metal mm -hmm. detector, but a critter detector. A critter detector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you went up and down the hill, you know, so, something that you know maybe found whipped latex or something, and <laughs> across the hill. I'm sure that there's like still probably 50 critters on that hillside because <laughs> oh, they never God. found them all. <laughs> it's just too bad that wasn't filmed. Yeah, well, back in those days, it was a little bit more yeah, difficult. They, they... <laughs> They Absolutely. treated it serious. They didn't. Um, they didn't film bloopers the way that they did. Yeah, yeah. Bloopers were called horrible accidents. I still say that. I still say that the geese chasing in vengeance that needs to be something on the DVD. Doesn't uh, it? That has to. Be, <laughs> yeah. Has to Where's be this footage at? Need to see it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you've never seen it? Uh uh Oh my god. <laughs> um. Oh, I was gonna say like. Uh, uh, any like critters nerds are probably going they're not they're not critters they're called crites <laughs> oh god the ones that are really obsessive over it it's like, <laughs> it's like when you watch predator and um uh, it's like yeah i love the part when the predator came out of the tree um actually they're not predator they're yatwai yeah. <laughs> right exactly well you know everybody's got to love a nerd love down again, ah you know? the suffering <laughs> but uh critters i think got a lot of shit i thought that was really good i mean hell you got to work with cynthia garris and if anybody's a stephen king fan and in fact that's that's a movie that she was in a lot of i know she was in the shining remake she was in uh the stand she was in a, she was even in thriller for christ's sakes hmm. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Lin Shea was there, the standard. No. Well, Lin Shea was in any New Line movie at that any point. Any New Line movie, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then she broke out of the New Line mold. How do you like that? Right. Yeah, and her career's still going strong with those. Uh, yeah. Recent yeah. She is, she is actually, she is one of the rare female uh, 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 actor actors actors that has 
really made a name for herself in horror of all things later mm-hmm. in life. You know, that's, that's true. That's, that's, that's true. That's, that's swimming uphill, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, that's the thing is, is I'm actually proud of the fact that she did because I mean, most people would just chalk, you know, it up to nepotism, but when she went out on her own, she kicked ass. Well, she was always pretty good, you know? Um, oh yeah. Uh, but she did have a well-placed brother. Oh, absolutely. What was his name? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby something? <laughs> yeah. Who did so, his finest uh, acting in What's Crazy Nightmare? <laughs> so let's get back to Yeah, Vengeance. Let's get back to Vengeance. Hey, Owen, uh, uh, you had some questions. Go ahead and shoot. Well, um, actually, I think they might be better fitting later, but uh, I guess the first one I'd ask, Nick, is that... Uh, was there any primary influence in what you were trying to bring to Vengeance, any part of the series, any specific director's uh, inspiration that you took into it? I just wanted to make it a good movie. I, I mean, I, I, I am not a uh, – I am not 100% uh, just a fan of, of horror films or particularly uh, uh, Friday the 13th. I hadn't really seen – I have only seen like one <laughs> before uh, Jeremy asked me. Team, and by the time Team Jeremy, Freddy. Jeremy, <laughs> and, and by the time I was done, I'd only think I think I'd only seen three of them. And one of them was number five, and that doesn't really count. <laughs> well, you got that outhouse scene. Ooh, baby. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. baby. You get the bike. I, I kind of like him getting whacked off the bike. That was pretty good. Yeah. Other than that. Oh, Junior. Yeah, Junior. I think five eats a lot of you know eats a lot of unnecessary shit because I mean um no the constantly interesting and I saw where they were going yeah. with most of it but um it's it, it, like the outhouse scene that was that that was gold it's the last of them trying to do the whole creepy woods aesthetic before they kind of start doing more comedic stuff yeah before they went to space and New York <laughs> and uh, yeah I know right uh, God yeah, forbid we went back the to the ship. woods and the one on the cruise ship. Ship. Which was New York, just most which of it. Was called, oh, which was called Ghost Ship. No. <laughs> oh God. Um. So, was this your first time directing, Mick, or not? I didn't direct. I was oh. a first AD. Oh. I thought you did some directing. Uh, Jer- Jerry, well, Jerry, I did, well, I did. I I did some directing, but um, but I think that everybody did in the end. <laughs> uh, is directing um, something uh, you'd ever want to do again for another project or more of it? Me. Directing, I like first. I like I like being a first AD. I like uh, I am not. Um, you know, my kind of problem with that is uh, I can tell somebody else how to direct mm-hmm. and 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 how to do it well. Uh, I would rather that they take the fall and and, and do the directing because uh, <laughs> because you, you know. Right, I understand. Well, let me put it this way: there are some people in life that are better one step removed in other words mm-hmm. I, I am a good produ- i am a great production designer i am a mm-hmm. great first ad i really am but man no but kidding these, i'm joking i'm joking but but these are support i'm i'm a support guy you know mm-hmm. i can i can take the kernel of an idea and 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 yeah or i can i right. can even add ideas mm-hmm. but I want you to go. I, I want the director to go through, you know, the the tortures of uh, 
of you know a year prepping a show and all the rest of that um that's fine you know <laughs> i'll come in and, and i'll add my ideas and i'll show you how to actually do it right to make it look mm -hmm. right because i i know how things work i know how things look mm -hmm. and and i'm kind of a better fix better i mean you get old you get to this point yeah i've been around 60 years and, and you know what you're good at i'm good at i'm good at looking at things and and editing and i um i i've always said this and and i've had an opportunity to do it a couple of times is go in and take 20 minutes off of a film and make it a lot better because hmm. i think most films are just padded in places oddly enough vengeance really isn't one of them <laughs> i think i think i would have to add <laughs> Uh, a good 20 minutes. I got, I, I got to say, Mick, uh, if, if you are in your early 60s, you're definitely an inspiration that, you know what? <laughs> it's, okay, it's okay to age, you know, because you're still awesome. Hell, I wouldn't even have <laughs> guessed you being that old, to be honest. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. I, I, it's because, I, you know, the thing is... Is, is, is my check know, in the mail? I, no kidding. <laughs> I, I, I always got this confused, um, the difference between childish and childlike. Uh, you know, there's these people that... People they, that say oh you know it's it's good to be childlike yeah but <laughs> but i've got childish down pat <laughs> yeah you've got more energy than i do i know right <laughs> um, yeah yeah oh, but i can't yeah. but i i cannot imitate jeremy brown whatsoever so, so. I, I have a question i kind of want to ask everyone and because you know like like film is obviously a team effort and i definitely think uh if you're directing you should actually have a good a good editor like do you think that too like 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 are there people that that should handle directing editing and everything by themselves or do you think they definitely should get an outside source to help with that or maybe oh, it just depends on the not. director absolutely not hmm. um the problem i've seen this so many times that the way to flatten a film out is to be the uh director it's it's there are very few Film is a complicated thing, and there are very, very few people that can have uh, an unabridged cl clarity looking at something again and again and again without putting their own uh, weaknesses in as well as their strengths. Mm. And the thing is, is uh, I think that, that separating into a different DP and a different editor and a different director uh, kind of uh especially if they have a great communication between the three of them then they're you're not going to make mistake on top of mistake on top of mistake mm -hmm. right yeah uh, you're gonna yeah. have more of it it's it's gonna have a tendency to bring out the better qualities of those three you know what i'm saying well, mm -hmm. one thing that i think is really cool about being an ad also is that I mean, you can joke around and say that you have most of the power and not as much of the responsibility, and that's a really good thing to have because if you're experienced, like, especially you, you know exactly what you're doing. You can A, a director has got his vision in mind of how he wants to do it. When you have an experienced AD, they can come along and say, well, you know, that's not working. And you it's actually a, it, have the authority and the ability to say, that's not working, and here's why. It, it, it's 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 the, you know the. I, I know this sounds weird, but uh, 
it's like a really stylish car, right? Uh, Davey's the motor. It's the thing under the hood. You know, mm-hmm. it's the thing that gets it, it, it. It's the thing that gets it from point to point, and 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 if you have one in there with muscles, it can do that in style. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not the design of the car. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and and that's that's what the AD does. The AD yeah. says, is trying to hold it together with what the cinematographer wants to see, with what the director, with his vision of it. And and the thing is, is I'm also a production designer, and mm-hmm. the production designer tries to pull all that into a cohesive package. And that's one thing that I think that Vengeance actually did really well is it oh, pulled yeah, everything a, together into. You a, did a damn good job of that, seriously. Into a you, co- cohesive. You, it was you, you never missed a beat. That looks like a film. Yeah, you know. The thing that I love best about it was it's just watching you in action because you were able to jump between all those roles and you knew exactly what was needed, where it was needed the most. And it's just, it's a, it's a great problem solver ability to have. Yeah, that's the problem solver is, is something that I, I've always been, you know, uh, really good at but you know put <laughs> and a lot of it is like it on the spot is. stuff too you know like i can create an overall feel for things mm-hmm. and then i can solve it one problem at a time and balance it back to that hmm. you know overall feeling and and it's uh part part of it is just having been on set so many times having having been in so many different positions over the years you know, all the way from special effects you know to uh PM, I've you know done a lot of videos. Uh, I've worked in camera department before when I was a kid. You know, all all that stuff all that. works together to, you know, kind of bring and, and to try and learn and all those different things. Uh, Hollywood doesn't like it when you <laughs> learn somebody else's trade. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the difference between a film and a movie. And a, a, a movie has very segmented departments that and everything is done for a business and you, you, you have a union uh, set of, of parameters and and you should be able to be well enough trained at what you do so that you can click in and out. You know, a person can click in and out of one film to the next and it actually works to a certain extent. Um, but I've always been a filmmaker. I, I like to do it all of it. You know, uh, films are, uh, you know, when uh, the art director is the one that does transportation because he's the one that has to get stuff around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, I went, you know, America, America makes movies. The rest of the world makes films. Yeah, that's very true. Was there any point during the production of Vengeance in which you, which was most frustrating and which you had input that you felt was essential to make something work, to make the car go, to use your metaphor? in which uh, you had to butt heads for a while with the director because the director's vision wouldn't accommodate for your changes. Um, I don't butt heads. I have a completely <laughs> different style than that. <laughs> right? All you right, know, well, then use your own term. Well, you, let me explain something about leading a group of people is if you're leading them right, you're not going to butt heads because you're out in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And okay. and that that kind of describes exactly how I work. The answer would be no to that. 
we've both um, talked to Mick several times, and uh, hopefully Owen will get a chance to talk more with him uh, as we review more movies and talk about him and such. But the beauty of working with Mick is, is that, yeah, you don't butt heads with Mick because you know what he's talking about. You know better than not listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. But even still, if you don't listen, he's not the type that'll butt heads with you. He'll just sit, look back and be like, man, I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> I see. That answers my question pretty well. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they, they say this is, is once you get to a certain extent in film, then you look back at people who are have been working in film for one to five years, you know, and um, and uh, it, it advanced technology looks like magic to uh, a non-advanced species. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. the way it gets. Handing <laughs> a caveman a cell phone. I I I said this many times. I said you know. The thing is, is it's like the the three different uh, styles of tools, right? You have um, you can put a crappy tool in in a beginner's hands, and he isn't going to know the difference, <laughs> right? But the thing is, is once he gets a little bit better, then he's going to want the best tool he can possibly get. But then he once he gets really good, he could do it with uh, a screwdriver and uh, and a piece of glass, <laughs> so it doesn't matter anymore, right? <laughs> so that's that's me. It, it's me. I'm the guy working with the uh, uh, with the, uh, uh, the screwdriver and the broken piece of glass, which is probably a pretty good example of um, how vengeance went. You know, had to be like MacGyver. Well, we were so funny. We were so funny because <laughs> I've been on these shows. You know that you know working in Hollywood, the the crews, the every everybody is is good at what they do, and um, and and yet you still can put out crappy ass films, right? And and the thing is, I've been on some of those where everybody on the crew does exactly what they're supposed to, and they know where the extension cards are and they they uh they know what to say in a meeting and did everybody knows what to do but then the camera rolls and and it's just crap right mm -hmm. <laughs> and that this is exactly the opposite of what happened on vengeance on vengeance uh we would try and roll the camera but it but we'd it'd be in the middle of a downpour um Somebody would have lost the props. Um, the camera would malfunction all the time, uh, you know, because we, we we were using cameras that were way over our heads, <laughs> and, and, and the and and then we would run out of film, and Ooh. and and somebody, you know, uh, makeup would have gotten wet and run in somebody's eye, and. <laughs> And, and 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 the thing is, and then all of a sudden, the rain would stop for like 15 minutes. The rain would stop. We would we would throw everybody in front of the camera and start rolling. And and you know whatever the whatever props we could find, we would use. You know whatever lights came on, came on. And and 
And for 15 minutes, we would get absolute gold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sounds I mean, like Washington. Like Washington. <laughs> but it, but it, no, but I mean, yeah. everything would go right, you know? And I, it was like, I, I just kept seeing this going, wow, that's just so weird. <laughs> How, how yeah. are we doing that? Because then I'd, I'd yell cut and everything would fall apart. <laughs> it would just, just be... You have powers, it, Mick. It would be it would be like Keystone Cops and even I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, appar- apparently from my experience, there, there's no downpours up there because that was one thing. I was, I was like, oh my God, it's snowing. We're finally going to get um, uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th in the snow because that's what everybody's always been clamoring for. And then someone was like, Oh, you're not from around here, are you? I'm like, no, I'm from a desert. You know, I'm like, oh, we call that misting up here. <laughs> That's right. It's what you call it. Yeah, in the end. Like, you know, I'm not kidding. The uh there was snow on the roof of the uh shed. Shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh you know, just all over the camp area, all down the trails and stuff, two days before we started filming. Ooh, <laughs> it was crazy. snow everywhere and i was like guy this is and the thing is is uh it, it's like two days before we started filming uh it, it rained and just blew the snow all away <laughs> i was like oh, well there you go <laughs> somehow that worked out absolutely perfectly yeah it really it really was weird uh there were so many things that just worked out perfectly all the way down the line uh it, it was amazing yeah, everything just came together all all around perfectly. I'd say. I mean, I, I wasn't there as long as everyone else was, but just watching everything in that, it, it was just like it, it was like watching. Can you repeat that? You're cutting out. Oh, it's funny. Um, but I wasn't on. I, I wasn't on set as else was, but but just watching everybody in action, it was like watching an ant farm. Wow, he started to sound like um like the parents in a Peanuts film, didn't he? <laughs> <Hey>, musical. <laughs> That's it. I don't know where the musical element comes from, but it definitely sounds like he's like an instrument for a moment. <laughs> right, didn't he? It sounded like he was playing the trombone. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> oh, even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> There you go. No, yeah, you, you know what? It's just—it's just one of my many voice impersonations. Oh. Now I can do instruments. Oh, yeah, wow. that, now you and that you didn't—it's just another one of your impersonations that you didn't know about. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> oh, please yeah, hire right? Scary Jersey Guy to do uh, your next uh, instrument or um, that, impersonation. That's right. Or if you there want you me go. to impersonate Corey Feldman and scare the shit out of people, I can do that too. Ah, having well, one, having one is enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We don't we don't need a whole bunch of those. <laughs> well, you know, it's really nice to be a part of this production, and you know, I, I I've been a child actor all my life. And get out of here. So, uh, Mick, uh, you seem like a person who tells a lot of stories with just a penchant for bringing this all together. Um, what would you say if you have any in particular that stand out to you? was a particularly proud moment in the production in which due to your influence well uh under your oversight things came together me, extraordinarily well let me tell you about a little problem that we had we were filming down in a house down the hill and uh there was this uh this goose geese were like right outside of the window <laughs> and they kept wah, 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 wah. 
and and um, and I kept sending people out off of the set in the house, sending people out of the house to go deal with the goose problem. And the thing is, is as the people went out to deal with the goose problem, <laughs> the geese would go after the people, and they would be louder and louder and louder. And finally, finally, we're not doing anything. We're just completely surrounded by uh, the sound of these geese. And um, <laughs> and I got uh, tired of it. And I went outside and in the field right next door, there uh, there are three geese that that I had sent Jason out finally because he wasn't in the scene. Uh, and Jason goes out there to scold them and the, the geese chased him back into the parking lot that was next to <laughs> that was next to us. And I just figured that um, I had had enough. And I started yelling, <laughs> yelling at the top of my lungs as I ran directly towards the geese. I said, be quiet at the top of my lungs. And, and the two geese, there was two geese, two smaller geese and, and a really big one. And the two smaller geese split, man. They were like, oh, this is not good. And they started to run away from me. And the other one turned and he was going to face me off. Now, here's the thing. This is the way that I saw it. Okay. <laughs> a, a goose can be mean and all that, but let's let's let let's do the Mick versus the geese. Uh, 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 the just the let's go for the statistics. Um, um, the goose by himself, by himself, maybe thirty pounds. You know, he was a big one. I'm gonna say that. Um, uh, me, uh, uh, 300. Okay. Uh, let's go to teeth. Um, I mean, I have a lot of them left at my age, but, uh, uh my, my uppers are, uh, are fake and, and, uh, they, uh, will do damage. Right. Um, <laughs> they have, they had this little tiny squawk, right. Um, my voice, uh, is probably, one of the uh, loudest things on the face of the earth. Um, You're one bad motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> and, and so I ran directly at that goose, and um, and uh, and then the crew had dinner. It, it's, yeah, as much fun as it was, as the goose was having chasing everybody around. Um, he looked at me and he thought about it for a second. I could see, and I was like thinking to myself, dude. Literally, if it comes out to me landing on you, I'm gonna win. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that th those are the two things wow. that stand out to me in that story because I've seen the video and you know hopefully if I'm uh, you know hopefully Jeremy like I said will put it in as an Easter egg or something or like YouTube you or Vimeo or something. Menu. But but at no, the last you... moment that goose that goose decided that he wanted to live. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing. That, that, that's one of the big things that sticks out to me was is that goose looked at you and it was ready to go. And then at the last second, it's it swung its head around and took off arms up. <laughs> <laughs> it decided that it wasn't going to win this one. <laughs> Fuck this no. shit. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm gone. I'm down. Yeah, that was a, it, that yeah. was a very funny moment. 
They got to put that as an Easter egg. Like maybe if you put the cursor over one of Jason's eye holes or something like that and the mask on the title <laughs> screen or something, you can see it. But but those are the two things that stood out. They're like the piece de resistance. It, it, it was the goose looking like it was going to take on Mick. And then it suddenly just changed its mind and and stuck its arms out and ran away. And the other <laughs> classic. I mean, I would too. Is when, would. The, when the camera first starts. The first thing that you see is Jeremy standing there with his arms at his hips like a crossing guard. Black shorts, the black brown space uh, sweater, the cab driver's hat, and brown moccasins. <laughs> and then you see Jason in the background walking up to the goose, shooing them away. And then as he turns around, the big one that Mick scared off tried to bite Jason in the ass. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, and then it all changed. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, makes the problem solver. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And instead of Lord of the Fog, you should have been Goose Master. Yeah, Goose Master. <laughs> Call him Goose well, Man. I, and, and I'll give you another yeah, one. No, was, and I'll give you another yeah. one that was interesting that was uh, a, hmm. a good art department slash first AD save. Um, we, we had a problem where we were running the night before the last night of filming uh mm -hmm. everything was getting compressed, compressed and uh we couldn't get robert robert shot uh that night underneath the boat and everybody was wondering what we were going to do because the light came up and that was it um and that scene was at night and so what we did immediately is we em emptied out the uh, uh, the cabin that we had shot out. We took the walls out and uh, blacked out the couple windows that there were in it, and then went in there and shot uh, Robert underneath the boat in in that cabin. Oh uh, wow! Up, I would have never guessed. Yeah, up on up on a couple of uh, saw horses, and we put a piece of plywood down, and we went out and collected moss. <laughs> moss off of the trees and just made a big layer of moss up there and then uh laid him on the moss and uh laid the boat over him nice. and and we shot it during the day that actually wound up being probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie absolutely you know the the, the whole life you know i came up with originally i came up with the idea of uh of robert robert in in the boat Okay, because mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted a to get to a point to where I had a claustrophobic thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. a, a lot of the kills are out in the open, and and uh, and there's no hunt and search involved, really. And uh, I thought that the boat and and you know uh, would give us that claustrophobic. Uh, feeling that Jason's just on the outside and he's going to get me, right? Mm -hmm. And it worked perfectly for that, and we got the best boat. I mean, that, <laughs> that boat with those little tiny strips uh, mm -hmm. that had the strips had shrunk so much that the boat would never have floated. Um, but <laughs> they just let, the, but they let light through in the perfect way. Awesome. And then we, and then when, and I'm the one, I'm literally the one that's that's poking them with the. Uh, with the boat hook, right? And so he's underneath there and I'm poking with the boat 
boat hook. And what we did is we uh, turned on a light uh, as soon as the boat hook went went through. Uh, so we put a whole bunch of chips around a hole up there. We put a bunch of chips around it. And then we mm. sent the spear through the boat hook through. And just as the boat hook comes through, then we turn the line on. So it looks like that boat hook breaks through the boat and, boat. and the light from up light above, above comes through into it, you know? So it, it was a perfect cheat. I mean, I would uh, say. It, gave, it, it and it gave us the opportunity to take our time with it and the opportunity to uh, to uh, get the little pieces of it right and 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 I think it was one of the most dramatic uh, scenes in the movie. It was great, especially at the very end of it when Jason's not even looking. Jason, I'm sorry, what? Especially the very end of it when Jason gets somebody, he does it without even looking. Right, right, and just twist it like, yeah. like, sort of like, uh, you know, whatever. And it was and, great and because you, know you, d you don't show it, so the imagination, you know, creates it and it makes it more effective. Mm. Well, and it also does something else. Uh, we don't that know for sure that he's dead. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the most important point to it. Hmm. Yeah, um, that that's actually. I was thinking too because um, I'm we're, we're we're looking at the end of this movie and it's been out for about a week now. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know what to tell you. But um, I, I definitely say that the door and the window is open for a potential second installment. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but you know what? I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, take Robert, take Robert, and and and. Uh, Take him outside of the franchise mm -hmm. and make him a go, uh, you know, a monster killer. Yeah, have him be something that goes to all the other franchises and investigates them. <laughs> well, not, but but not even all the other franchises. Make him an original character. Make him, you know, he's good. Good. You you mm -hmm. found out. I, I'm telling you, if you didn't turn around during the movie. I think that he had the best arc. I think he also, mm -hmm. I think that he was just so interesting uh, that mm. uh, you wanted to see him and you wanted him to solve the problem, right? You know? Yeah. And the thing is, is if he's still alive, mm -hmm. he would make a great monster killer. Get together with somebody else and you have like a, uh, Superstitious? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a, a TV show on Channel 5? Oh, you're thinking of uh, Supernatural. Supernatural, right. S still going yeah. on, actually, after like 10 years. Right. Can Can you imagine him with somebody else uh, right. being doing a Supernatural kind of thing? That'd be interesting. Well, not only would it be interesting, it would be original. It would be right. him. It would be him moving away from uh, the fan film and... and chartering a new territory mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they can always make yeah, i've had enough of jason they can always make some kind of reference you know like oh this previous case not actually say it was jason therefore right, going right. to the original territory of yeah. exactly and go into original territory see that's the other thing is is i'm i'm all about i'm all about you know taking the fan films and and, and going beyond mm -hmm. going into something original 
Well, I thought there was something that we actually discussed it in the previous podcast. His character development accomplished something kind of unique in the entire series. I'm counting the canon, which is that he's a person who comes in fascinated and driven and believing that he can solve the mystery, unveil the truth and reveal it for all the world to see. Right. And he goes through this breaking point that takes me back to like war movies where yeah, he this... realizes that he's in the thick of it and that none of this is manageable. Right. And it's all over his... a broken coward in a way. Exactly. But, but you know, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's so, um, he's so devoted to it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and you can almost, almost see him channeling the whole rest of the film mm. uh, as, it, as it goes on. And boy, I got to tell you something. To me, it, it's a blow, blow. Uh, when he gets killed, or quote unquote, when he gets killed, right? <laughs> right. It, it, it's sort of like uh, a lot of people said, uh, yeah, like uh, Jules, when Jules got killed, Brooker. Yeah. That they were surprised that Jules got killed. That, uh, but you know what? The door is open on her too. I think. I, I, I think that if we ever see her again, we could see her in a wheelchair because of it. Hmm. Oh, maybe Brooker. Maybe uh, Brooker and Robert. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He <laughs> one can of them up a scar. One of them's got a huge scar, and the other one's a paraplegic. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The problem is, is that um, uh, Robert is so small. And so tiny that he would have a problem pushing her up the the, the hills and shit. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! Wow! wow. Uh, but that's okay. kind of how I felt watching it too. <laughs> watching it from an outside perspective, um, when I saw uh, Jules get killed and I, and when I saw Robert get killed, I felt like they like they were pretty staple characters, you know. So right, it, it was right. a thing. It, it was really a thing seeing them get killed, and it's not so much because you know how involved they were with this project. It was the way that their characters were. Yeah, and when you cause... see the way that she got killed, I'm like, well, she got thrown against a tree. She could very well have a broken back. Yeah, and the same we'll, thing we'll, with Robert. We'll... It could have gone through his shoulder. See, we'll kill anybody, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just like, well, I, we're the... I think that's what was empathized is, uh, emphasized, sorry. He was a very uh, kind of key character to the plot, and there's this preconception mm-hmm. in American movies that key characters to the plot cannot be killed. Yeah, and it we, really we can. We can though. Hard when they <laughs> empathize with the per- the victim, and we, pa- they we end party up harder. Yeah, we party harder, and and and, and <laughs> when in doubt, we just kill. It makes me think of a uh, Deep Blue Sea when Sam Jackson's <laughs> given that inspirational speech, and then the shark. Eats them. The, the, the short, yeah, the yeah. Short, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he made it all the way through the film, so there you go. <laughs> Before turning yeah, into a like terrible John CG Boyd mess. Anaconda who got yeah, swallowed right. yeah. and then got thrown out and then winked at her. <laughs> you you got to admit that the very ending of that with the uh, Deep Blue Sea with the uh, uh, the possibly the worst optical shot of a shark moving through the water yeah. that I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. Jaws 3 when it was swimming oh God. through the control oh God. center. Or Jaws 4 when the shark roars and then explodes yeah, by getting poked. Like oh God. See, that's right, but this was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have any excuse when this is the first one. Uh, yeah. 
But, I, I mean, like jo- jo- the, the 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 roaring in Jaws. That was like Spielberg's little homage to Duel by playing the truck sound dying underwater. Right. When the thing roared when it was getting electrocuted, it was just like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I I I just saw Astra. Arid Astra. It was mm-hmm. a, a um, what's his name? Uh, Brad Brad Pitt oh. as an astronaut. Yeah, yeah, and um, oh man, that was bad. <laughs> Boy, it was Uh-oh. it was a long, long, long film. But uh, but the thing is, they couldn't decide whether things made uh, noise in space or or they didn't. Because sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, you couldn't have just gone the James Cameron route and said, in space, no one can hear you scream. Listen, it, Listen. It, you know, space is where the best sound effects sound. aren't. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> oh, that's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I mean, that's that's the funny thing about Vengeance is, is that I feel that a lot of doors and windows were left open. And the beauty of it is, is that it was just constructed so well that I personally can see another one coming out of it. I really can. Um, but if the slight possibility does pop up that nothing else ever happens out of it, well, they died. But you know what? Yeah. But at least when we do explore the avenue of a second one, if that ever happens, there is a plausible way. Uh, there is a believable way to bring uh, characters back. Right. Well, right. On the other hand, um, even if there isn't one, it still leaves room for a kind of fan interpretation and fan theory, which is kind of something that's uncommon in modern film, where everything's mm-hmm. tied up with a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. Well, I want I want to talk some, about something I thought that was kind of interesting because I was just talking to Jason Brooks about this. Um, Please do. Um, there are people out there before this film was released that had Jason's. Uh, Jason's Jason tattooed on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty next did, level. Did, yeah. It, it kind of gave me the creeps because I was like, well, what if this film doesn't even come out? <laughs> oh my God. I think it was because the look of Jason was so good in this one that yeah. it was just, you yeah. looked at it and you're like, that is badass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had to think to I mean, myself. You, you, you look at the other um, uh, Jason itinerations. I mean, Steve Dash's was really iconic because of the sack. And then, you, you know, you had uh, Richard Brooker's interpretation, which is pretty well universal. And then Ted White's, I thought, was really iconic, but it wasn't used as much. Everybody forgets part five. And then part six, everybody remembers that look. And then part seven, everybody loved that look. Mm-hmm. The, the the best out of all of them because you know you had the 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 spinal column exposed in the back of them and I don't know though the, the, the only problem that I had was at the end after he was unmasked because it looked like a charboiled hot dog. <laughs> well, they probably ran out of money. <laughs> and then um, uh, you had part eight, Ugh. which um, oh I I love arguing fan theory with people. I don't like soggy Jason in part eight. I, ju- I actually just got into it with somebody very recently about this, too, because it was like, oh, well, the look is this and that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The looks have never been consistent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it, it, 
why why is he wearing the gloves again? And I'm like, because this is a continuation of part six. And then it was like, well, in part seven, he looked like this. And I'm like, yeah, in part seven, he lost the glove because they rotted away. But then as soon as part eight starts, he's got he's wearing gloves again. And he's got a brand spanking new mask that still has the axe slot in it in the, in the corner where the axe is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and then uh, the the other one that I get to is the timeline of the lake. Um, just had a big one with that. And I, I could tell that the guy wasn't going to argue it anymore because he stopped responding to it because either he thought that I was completely batshit nuts or um, he didn't have anything else to say to it because it was like, well, how could they do this after this many years? And, and the theories about Jason's age and such. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's been underwater for 30 years. Well, how does that fit in with part seven? Yeah, well, look at part seven. Apparently, they knocked the camp down, built two houses, and then Jason was underwater 20 of those years. And then after the events of seven, they built another camp just to abandon it. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I, I, they, they take it too seriously. Well, I, I, I don't believe you got to remember that. I, I did Nightmare on Elm Street three after mm-hmm. one and two had gone out. So um, I'll throw, I'll almost always throw the baby out with the bathwater before I start. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> but you know, since, since you mentioned part three, um, this scene had your fingerprints all over it. So maybe you can confirm this one. When Jason skeleton rises in the junkyard, it reminded me exactly of Jason and the Argonaut. You mean Freddy? Freddy? Well, Freddy, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was... Was that you? That was us. uh, That was all of us intentionally doing a a complete uh, uh, homage to uh, Harryhausen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I mean... Yeah, because when I saw that thing rise up, that was my first thought. Oh, yeah, nobody... Yeah, Yeah. it's taken from them sprouting... The Argonauts sprouting out of the earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think yeah. we talked about Loved that in the Jason the Argonauts review we did. Yeah, no, that was uh, yeah. that was a hundred percent intentional. That 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 was amazing. I loved that. Um, yeah. Now, now, overall, the experience on Vengeance I had was absolutely fantastic, and I, I loved every second of working with you, Mick. Oh, I I I had I had a great time. There's just no doubt. Uh, I felt I really sorry did. for the wall that I almost put Ray through, but that's that, that goes <laughs> and probably deserved it though. <laughs> was uh, well, yeah, he's the cause of all this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, was vengeance sort of like a getting back on the saddle with you, Mick? Like, because it, it had been was a while. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it had been a. It did. You know, I did a lot of um, in, in the two thousands. Most of what I did was. Uh, NDA kind of fixes uh, on films, um, and 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 kind of um, kind of background stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of hard to talk about uh, because there's a lot of lawyer stuff. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but then about six years ago, I came up here after my my uh, sister died in a plane wreck, and we I kind of closed up shop on everything in LA. And, oh man, uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Moved up here to be uh, near my grandchildren. So, so yeah, it was definitely 100% getting back, you know, uh, onto the uh, scene again. Well, sir, you haven't missed a beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> was there was there ever a worry like that where you're just like, 
oh man, or you're just like, yeah, let's just do this. <laughs> it was, you know, it's weird. I got sucked in little bit by little bit uh, because Mythos, which was the first film, uh, or the first was, uh, iteration of it. Yeah, it was the first iteration of it. I, I happened to be in at CryptCon, and I saw Imagine. Uh, and got to talk to Jeremy about it. Uh, and then I wound up at one of the uh, after parties, just uh, just ex- people started asking me questions about film and I started to answer and, and, and basically sat at a table for about five hours and just uh, talked about films and, and stuff like that. And Jeremy then... Um, about two weeks after the uh, Crypticon, Jeremy called me up and he says, "Hey, we're going to sh- we're going to be shooting this Mythos thing." <laughs> and he told me what Mythos was, and uh, and then I saw the piece that he had uh, that they had done, the the you know preview of it, and mm-hmm. right. and that they were putting a Kickstarter together with it. And then he said, well, so, so then I get down there and I'm just hanging with just, just kind of taking a weekend off and, and going down and, and helping them. And they needed a lot of help. And, uh, I was kind of like showing them, you know, lighting tricks and this, and then next thing. And then just before he goes on set, he goes, well, tell me what you really, really, really thought of the, uh, trailer. And I did. (laughs) (laughs) And then he kind of packed it all up. Uh, we finished shooting. Um, and then he said, it, it, and then I, I hear from him about three weeks later, and there had been a huge shakeup. He was moving to Portland from um, Boise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he wanted me to uh, help with the new film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... I said, oh, yeah, sure. And then we did the trailer for Vengeance, which was actually the very first part of the film. And, uh, you know, with Levi Man, Levi, and uh, we kind of, with the rock hitting the head and smashing it and all that. Mm-hmm. And we, we did that. And, and there was a first AD there. And uh, he was kind of a chump. And I kind of took over for him just accidentally. Uh, and uh, after that, Jeremy says, "Look, we're gonna do a big kick Kickstarter for the film Vengeance, and I want you to be the production designer and the first AD." Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I did it. <laughs> I had. Now done here's a sixty-five thousand uh, dollar question: um, If there is going to be a second one popping out, would you be interested in being a part of it? Oh yeah, yeah sure, sure. I mean, um, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy's um, future is kind of tied in with me, so there you go. <laughs> so that's what I like to hear. So this so this also like changed your perspective like on fan films, do I take it? Yeah, I'd never done anything volunteer like this. So I, uh, like no one before offered or you know or bugged you about anything like that. It never come up hmm. because I was in. Because I was working in Hollywood. All right. That <laughs> uh, was working in a business. You know. Uh, yeah. It's. 
it's kind of a different world, you know. Uh, it's it's about what you get paid and and you know the hours and 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 I don't know. It's just and, and the thing is is is, is um, Hollywood doesn't think of unoriginal stuff until like some studio decides to put millions of dollars behind it. So <laughs> so uh, it wasn't. I I'm not kidding. Um, it wasn't until four four years ago, I think that um i really got involved in um facebook and mm -hmm. and and i'm not kidding this this was me four years ago i <laughs> i opened up facebook and, and kind of for the first time understood it you know what i mean mm -hmm. kind of looked in oh well it's this and then this is your timeline and this is the, 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 the. it just never never occurred to me before to really mm -hmm. even think about it and, and i went to my wife and I said look at this guy this guy's talking about me <laughs> i said can you believe that <laughs> and uh and, and then i spent you know some time kind of coming out of the cocoon and kind of uh you know coming out of uh becoming a member of the uh, of the fan base mm -hmm. right and uh so this has just all been a very natural uh progression well we're... and and it was so it was so interesting working on a film with volunteers i uh i had never been with people that had volunteered i had never volunteered for yeah, anything you're definitely ingrained within the the horror community <laughs> yeah and, and and so i uh so so having done a fan film now, you know, I, I can say that I was involved in the whole experience, but you know, the, the, the thing that I really didn't, I, I didn't understand and was that why anybody would do that kind of work, um, for fun, you know, people were out there for fun. Right. And I didn't really get that. <laughs> I did it. I, it always surprised me. I always thought it was fun. But I didn't want to let anybody else know that. <laughs> but to be out there with like-minded people was really kind of interesting, and and seeing and people wanted to learn and wanted to, you know, uh, just had a great time doing it uh, was kind of a, a real um, revelation for me. And having the the good reviews the, too the must reviews. be really heartening too, because I'm sure it's always a little scary when you're working on it. You're like, you know, like. Well, you know, it, it's funny because uh, one of the uh, producers, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Lassus, he pulled mm -hmm. me aside one day. He goes like, he, he goes like, so uh, how's it going? I, I think it's going to go pretty well. I think we're kind of moving towards, you know, getting there. And this is just for filming. He goes, he says, well, he says, uh, so you've got a lot to lose here, huh? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> he goes, well, he says, if you, if you died at the end of this, this would be the last film that you did would be a fan film. <laughs> oh and God. I was like, wow, thanks wow. for that. <laughs> be like, be like, no, I love way to look at it. Be like, no, I'll yeah. have someone change my name to Alan Smithy. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, really. Exactly. Exactly. Production designed by Alan Smithy. <laughs> Alan Smithy, first uh, first AD. Alan, Alan, Alan Smithy, uh, smoke uh, god. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah, just, just put that on your epitaph. 
yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. But you know what? Here's the thing. In the end, I'm proud of it. I mean, right. you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have any money at all, and it just came out amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, and that's know, the way I all feel these all these people that volunteered their time for it were just amazing. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. I absolutely agree. It's just it's one of those things where you look at a Paramount production or even you know the New Line era of the Friday the Thirteenth. They had studios backing them. They had talent agencies. They had all these professional people, people that have been in the industry for years. And this was one of those films where people came together with hardly any budget, hardly any experience. You know, it was just all one big patch. And I'm, uh, it was just three that it was a bunch of strangers that went out in the woods and we walked away as friends and family. Right, right. And, I'll, oh. it, and and the thing is, is I can say at the end that that I don't, I'm not sitting down and judging this as a fan film. I'm judging it as a film. Mm-hmm. And and I think that even as that, you know, I, I think smoothing out the editing, uh, this would stand on its own without the caveat that it was a fan film. I really do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Most of the um, uh, most of the negative things that I've heard, it's um, you know, so some of it I can absolutely agree with. Yeah, the editing was a little choppy, but you know, me and Mick, we both know um, what type of limitations we were working with here and what was going on. A lot of other, the, the the complaints that I've heard, I think it's from people that uh, were ready to dislike this from Jump Street. You know, they, yeah. they had already had it in their mind, and no matter how good this had turned out, they would have, it, well, it, it would have either have been, I've said it from day one that this was going to be bad, if this turned out bad. Yeah, but, you know, come on, be... here's, here's the thing, is not not everybody's going to like anything that you do. True. Exactly. You know, and, and on the flip side, somebody out there probably likes the way your shit smells. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the internet, yeah, everything's like a fetish. Internet. Yeah, that's the age old thing. I'm only making fun of you because I got a crush on you. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, hey guys, I, I, I'm going to head on out. Right. I get, it was an absolute pleasure to have it. you on. You've been on a few times, oh. and you know what? You're not just you're not just a guest. You're our friend. You know, you're like oh, I, I, you're like I, you're like Uncle Mick. <laughs> I love hanging with you guys. And, uh, Somebody, somebody, please, please find it in your heart to take Mick's couch. <laughs> please. <laughs> He'll autograph on, it. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Talk to you. Bye. All right. See ya. Uh, as usual, that was awesome. I love talking with Mick. I can tell. <laughs> He's a pretty extraordinary person. This concludes our four-part review of the fan film Vengeance. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. What a messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here.